Hi everybody! So we have another Harry Potter podcast for you, and we have another patron in. She's a Potterhead. She's an architect and an Albanian. Three <laughs> incredible, an incredible mix. Hello, Lirza. How are you doing? Hey, Gil. How are you? Oof, I'm doing very well. I'm very excited because we are starting a conversation. We had we had Ariella last time, and she had a beef about yep. Dumb- with Dumbledore. She had a lot of stuff to say about Dumbledore, and she actually kind of convinced me. And we have been talking about uh, recording a podcast about Harry Potter for a long time. Yeah. And you hit me up and you said, boom, I want to rebuttal. Yeah, I have beef with her beef. So um, I want to get into it. <laughs> and I okay, can't believe okay. you were convinced. I couldn't believe it. Oh, I'm so easy. I'm, so, I'm, a, I'm a pushover sometimes. Amazing. <laughs> oh. Go ahead, push me over, push me over. I'll try to push you over. So, uh, so you guys went chronologically through all the issues, and um, mm-hmm. you had like three themes that came up. Two that I, I actually hear a lot, not just from you guys. That is that uh, Dumbledore has like a very bad uh, school management uh, curriculum. Yeah. And a bad hiring process and whatever. Yes. And the other one is the child endangerment issue. And um, Oof. yeah. And then you brought up another point that I couldn't believe is that he's not a good wizard. I was like, how can you say (laughs) he's not a good wizard? Yeah. (laughs) Which one do you want to start with? So I want to start with the school management stuff. Which includes which includes what? Which includes what, what falls under the umbrella of it's, school management? Yeah, it's it includes this hiring process. Because I have a beef with him hiring Mr. Filch. Can you can you explain? Of course, I can explain. Why a sane, rational person would hire this sociopathic, sadistic person? Please. Yeah, of course. I can, I can start with Filch, of course. Ooh, okay, okay. Well, wow. <laughs> Filch is a, bit of a, is a bit of a sad character, actually, because he's a squib. And squibs are extremely rare, and they're extremely frowned upon and marginalized in yeah, the society. Marginalized. And every, even their parents are ashamed of them and everything. So, of course, he hates young wizards because they all have something he doesn't have. So he's like, no magic in the, in the hallway. Like, why not, you know? And uh, he's a real pain in the ass. So Dumbledore has something for the marginalized. He always um, supports people who are different and who are in trouble, starting with Hagrid, starting with Lupin. And what are you going to do? Are you going to throw Filch in the street? What is he going to become? He's going to have no money. I mean, it's very hard for squibs to have like a place in society because they are absolutely looked down uh, in the magical world. And it's very hard for them, in ego-wise, to go and live as a muggle. Some of them do, but it's very hard. Some of them do? Some of them do. There's, there's some stories about people who went on to live as muggles. Uh, so now you're calling me a bigot, basically, against... Exactly. Against. Yes. Oh. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. First of all, point taken. Okay. You have to you have to to take care of marginalized people and not push them further into the margins and then they not only can harm themselves but uh, other people yeah. in society. But it's as if he's not trying to correct his wrong ways. Well, he is and we see that with Umbridge because when Umbridge was headmaster, headmistress, she gave him permission to punish uh, pun- to make like corporeal punishment how do you say yeah. it to physically corporal punish punishment. corporal yeah. punishment so that's how at that point you see mm-hmm. that actually Dumbledore has him handled because what does oh, Filch no. do 
He just he just yells around. He does nothing and and cleans. He has no power virtually. So he's just like this despicable, uh, grumpy old man who hates young wizards. And so what? You just live with him. You can't just push people away because you don't like them. As long as they're not doing something to really hurt other people, and he's not. Okay, so th- those are all good points. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But yeah. Okay. So now I'm rereading, I just finished like rereading uh, book four, The Goblet of Fire. You told me that you've read, the, re-read, whatever, re-re-re-read the book so many times that you don't even know how many times you yeah. read them. Thank right. you for remembering that about me. <laughs> I remember <laughs> that. Uh, we had a great uh, meetup in uh, Berlin a few, yeah, a few years ago. Yeah, it was fun. So Filch, he's not just grumpy, he's, he's also like emotionally abusive. And if it, was, if it were just Filch... Then I would say, okay, so you have an emotionally abusive grown man, emotionally abusing young, vulnerable, impressionable children who are far away from their homes and don't have their parents there to protect them. Because I wouldn't put up with a person like that at my daughter's school, even if he, were, if he had like, good reasons to be grumpy. But okay. it's not just him. You have also other teachers who are... very emotionally abusive and go over the lines like Snape people love Snape I don't understand I'm sorry, like, he makes Harry feel bad about his dead parents yeah. because of some old beef this child lost his parents he never yeah. met his parents you're just like your father lazy Arrogant. Don't say a word against my father. Weak. Snape is a... I think it's a very big issue that goes beyond Dumbledore's management. Because he's a... I agree with you. He's a despicable character. I don't love Snape. I really hate Snape. I mean, I, I understand that his character is not black and white, but uh, I really hate him. He's horrible to Harry. And Harry is a, a young, abused kid. It's, it's, it's so sad, his story. Yeah. He grew up abused, and he goes to this school, and this teacher just hates him. Like, for no reason. For Harry, it's for no reason. Yeah. But I think, I think uh, Snape, it's a very tough issue for Dumbledore as well because uh, Dumbledore had to accept in his, in his uh, Order of the Phoenix an, an ex-Death Eater. And when we see in the seventh book, we see the scene actually when, when the story starts, he hates Snape as well. Dumbledore is like... Uh, he even says something very harsh to him because uh, Snape is so sad after Lily dies... And he says, I am so sad I want to die. And Dumbledore looks at him and he's like, and what good is that to anyone? Like, he doesn't give a beep about Snape yeah. at that point. Yeah. He's just like, yeah. ugh, you know, he hates Snape at the beginning. But then he's a, he's a person who gives second chances. So he kept him. And Dumbledore knows they're in the middle of two wars. I don't think he believes that the war is over and that Voldemort is never coming back. He, he knows it. So he has this ex-Death Eater with him. He keeps him close. And he, like, uh, I think he... Uh, He looks into what he's doing and everything. And I think Snape does fine for a while. But then... And he's, he's a bully, Snape, because he was bullied when he was young. So he's bullied to yeah. other people. But, but then he becomes extra horrible to Harry because Harry reminds him of his father. And um, what, I think it's very tough for Dumbledore to do something. What, what can he do? Uh, I'm not defending Dumbledore. I, th- I think this yeah. is something that goes beyond uh, managing a school. You can It's, talk to him. You can talk to him and say, come on, you have to... Give the kid a break. We need, does, first he, of all, we need the kid. Yeah. And second of all, this kid, he, he did nothing wrong. It's not his fault that this woman didn't like you. She liked yeah. another man. Get over it. It was like uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. But he does that. We he see it that? In, the, yeah, in the flashbacks in the Deathly Hallows. 
you know Harry sees all the flashbacks with Snape's yeah, yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember all of them. Though. Okay. But so Snape, when when Harry first arrives, it's in, he's in his first year. Snape is in Dumbledore's office, and he's like, mm. I hated him. He's an arrogant. He's arrogant. He thinks he can do anything. It's just like his father. And Dumbledore is like, No, it's actually a lot like his mother. And uh, he tells him like, You're just prejudiced because. Uh, and Snape doesn't hear it, because Snape is too damaged as well. And I'm not trying to excuse Dumbledore for anything. I just don't really see what he could have done. He can't really fire Snape. He's an ex-Death Eater that he's trying. Uh, no. He needs him. He needs him. Okay. And Snape is not incompetent. He's damaged, but he's not incompetent. He's very good at his job. But uh, I mean, he's a yeah. teacher. But uh, Yeah. And I saw like a YouTube video like of all compiling all the moments in the books and in the movies where he saved uh, Harry Potter. So yeah. it's not as easy, like he's just... Uh, uh, abusing him emotionally, also helping him out. He's helping in him several out. different yeah, ways. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Filch, you know, it's so annoying. I like I had this opinion about Filch for like uh, a couple of years now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next. Expecto Patronum. I wanted, first of all, to make a point of other teachers who are good, like Professor McGonagall is awesome. You will do well to remember it. I don't think uh, anyone can disagree with the fact that she's a very good teacher and that she's very fair. She's no, uh, she has no favoritism. She's uh, right. equally tough on everyone, yeah. and that's a good and quality. She cares about the children. She really cares about the children. Then there's Flitwick, the charms teacher. He's also very good. He's actually funny. He's a bit of a warm presence to them. It's very nice. Professor Binns, the ghost... Um, he's very uh, boring. Yeah, the history teacher. He's very boring. <laughs> so here I have a beef with uh, Dumbledore. Why don't they have in the curriculum, why don't they teach proper history the way it's supposed to be taught? Like, yeah. this is what happened last time. He should have, like, it's like, so Germany yeah. after World War II. They did such incredible uh, propaganda in a positive way. And uh, to just like brainwash, again, in a positive way, entire generations of people to look at the past with disgust and criticism to never go back. And that's why even though you see a rise in racism in a, in a lot of countries, in Germany too, but in Germany it's not the same, not to the same extent as it is in other countries where they didn't go through this process. Why didn't he maybe break up the houses or try to teach the Slytherins uh, to go in a different way to correct their ways he like all the kids go through him i think it's tough because the Ger germany uh, correct me if i'm wrong did that after world war ii right yeah they lost but in harry potter it's as if we are in the middle of the two world wars it's not the same thing you know i think they will do it after the end of book seven there will be that uh -huh. kind of revolution you're talking about but when we start the story it's still very tough it's still very uh, it's tense mm -hmm. And uh, every every how does every wound is still open. Every family has like uh, somebody very close who died, or who was uh, for the evil side in the war. It's everything is too mm. tangible. To that's how I see it. We yeah. it's not the same period. And I think no, after right. book seven, that sort of revolution will start. It's like a new era because Voldemort will really be dead. And uh, yeah. this is how I see you it. You're right. So, so I just finished rereading uh, The Goblet of Fire, and and you're right. Like Dumbledore is genuinely surprised when the magic minister at that time, I forgot his name, the loser. Yeah, the loser. Um, who? Uh, Mr. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, that's weird. He's the the, idiot. Yeah, he's there for five books and forgot his name. Cornelius Fudge. Fudge, okay. Yeah. So he's genuinely surprised when Cornelius Fudge turns out to be uh, a person that is scared, too scared to face the truth and he prefers his own career over over the truth and the good of the people and humanity and stuff. Yeah. So maybe they haven't gone through no. enough. Nope. They, they, they haven't yet hit the bottom of the barrel to no. just say, okay. They're in denial or hiding or don't know what to think or yes. na na na, you know. You're right. They don't even say Voldemort's name. Yeah. yeah. I bet after, the, after book seven, they say Voldemort's name. They say name. the name, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, good points. Good points. Okay, cool, okay. cool. I'm pushing you to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and people think usually that I'm hard-headed, that I'm hard-headed. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, uh, if I just end with the hiring process stuff, because you guys okay. went on with it. And uh, so, uh, I would say that two questionable uh, hires are ah, right. Hagrid and Trelawney. We, I think we can agree with that. No, Lockhart. We, said we, we talked about Lockhart. I will talk afterwards about the Defense Against the Dark Arts post because that's another issue. So Hagrid and Trelawney. So Trelawney is like, she seems such such a fake, such a phony. She's a fraud. But actually, first of all, turns out she's a real seer. She makes real prophecies. And even the small things she predicts during the book, I mean, there was a video, I don't know if you know this channel. It's a a channel that talks a lot about Harry, Harry Potter. They took every prediction Trelawney made and it turns out that it was true, actually. Every time she said something stupid and everybody was like, ooh, actually she was right. So she's okay. competent in what she does. And also Dumbledore is keeping her to protect her because she made the oh, yeah. most. So that makes sense. Yeah, um, makes sense. Hagrid, a lot of people are against it. But Hagrid is very passionate about magical creatures. And uh, uh, Dumbledore like refuses his resignation several times. And towards the end of book uh, six, I think, somebody mentions that he's been teaching a lot better lately because... Dumbledore gives Hagrid a chance, Hagrid gets better, and then he's a good teacher, and he's, he's like established at Hogwarts at some point, and uh, it's a good thing that Dumbledore gave a chance to, to a half-giant, and yes. no one believed in this half-giant before. Yes. So we accept it when it's Hagrid because we love Hagrid, but then we don't accept it when it's Filch, you know, if you, if you allow me the comparison. Though Hagrid is not, he's not malicious. No. It's just, it takes time, but I would push back mm-hmm. against... Uh, uh, your statement that he cares, that he's passionate about uh, animals. He wears furs made of animals. Remember when, uh, we, when in Berlin I told you that I wanted to do a video about yeah. uh, animal rights in uh, Harry Potter? I just posted it. Yeah, I saw ago. it. Yeah. He, he uses animals against their will. Uh, so it's not... Yeah, I don't know. I think you're judging him because he's not passionate about animals the way you would want him to be. I know you're vegan, and I really respect that. I honestly do. But I know a lot of people who are very passionate about animals, but who hunt. Yeah, that's weird. That is you know weird, but of, it's a true you, thing. You know a lot of people who hunt? I, my, my uncle hunts, and he loves animals. Where? Where does he hunt? There are areas in Albania where you can hunt. Uh, it's very restricted and very regulated, but you can. And what kind of animals can you hunt in Albania? He hunts, like, birds. I don't know what exactly. I don't want to know, because I don't like it. But uh, yeah. flying things. Yeah, I really don't want to know. I don't even know the names of what he hunts. Yeah, but he's very passionate about animals. Meaning that when I say passionate, doesn't mean he doesn't use them, but he like is very interested and fascinated by them, and he respects the intelligence uh, of other creatures. Okay. He respects the centaurs. He respects uh, all kinds of. I mean, he respects a giant spider. Yes. Okay. 
Yeah, that was just like uh, two minutes of vegan, vegan propaganda. I, uh, I respect that, I really do. <laughs> <laughs> we can move on. Okay, so we want to talk about, about Lockhart at the end. No, so I, then I want to talk about, yeah, because Lockhart is part of the issue of defense against the dark arts problem. Because okay. the position is cursed, okay? So if you, I think if you calculate the timeline, it has been cursed for around 30 years, I think. 30 or 40 years. So can you imagine Dumbledore has to find a new person every year? Every year he has to find a new teacher. And I think at some point you run out of people. Uh. And at some point you just take whoever. Because believe me, he knew Lockhart is an incompetent, stupid, bigoted person or whatever he is. <laughs> But he has no one, and he, he, we see this. For example, uh, the first one, what's his name? Quirrell. Quirrell. Qu Quirrell, he knew him because Quirrell used to be a teacher at Hogwarts, but in Muggle studies. So he just changed positions. This is... But what about uh, the fact that he got Voldemort into Hogwarts? Yeah. How was that possible? Okay, but maybe I'm jumping ahead to the... To the to, magical uh, stuff. To the magical stuff? Because, because this, uh, is, uh, this is... This well, is really... Yeah. It looks like a plot hole to me. It's as Why? if like, this is the part of the story where it was still a children's story. True. And something like that could happen. And then as, this, as the story grew and became more plausible and more believable, That's then true. it sort of didn't fit any, a lot of ways. Much the same way, for example, I feel like uh, in A Song of Ice and Fire, the way that Robert killed uh, Rhaegar kind of doesn't fit the overarching theme of the historicity of the story w w when you get further into the story like so it was like the big hero against the big hero we know yeah he just took story. the hammer and boom and uh, yeah yeah and where were all the other people there they were just fighting man on yeah, man I agree so kind of something kind of something uh, like that like how could he ha how could Dumbledore not sense that this person uh, has Voldemort Voldemort on him But first of all, I want to say this is not fair because you know the story much better than I do. <laughs> That's why you invite experts for your podcast. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Okay, so, so, yeah. so how do you think that Dumbledore uh, didn't realize that Voldemort was... Uh, what do you think about my theory that, uh, that he was uh, preparing Harry uh, to, to fight Voldemort by putting him in danger, you know, like inoculating him towards the big fight uh, at the end. Do you think that it holds water? Yeah, it holds water, but I wouldn't say... Uh, I think what Dumbledore does is a bit more indirect, which means that he doesn't micromanage the school. He, For example, because uh, Ariella, when she was invited, she had beef with the fact that they went for detention in the Forbidden Forest, where yeah. they knew there was Voldemort. So yeah. I don't think they knew there was Voldemort, and I don't think Dumbledore is aware of every detention in the school. That's, that's the But thing. he said that they're not allowed to go to the Forbidden Forest. That, was, that should be like the law. Not he said, you're not allowed to go to the Forbidden Forest. Yeah, but accompanied with an adult, yes. Alone, you can't just go play the Forbidden Forest. Okay, but you know that somebody is killing uh, the unicorns. So He should be more hands-on. <laughs> yeah, but I w I, he's not more hands-on, and I would, agree, I would argue that that's one of his qualities. He lets things play out. He lets people be a lot more free. Like, he's like, I trust my teachers. The teachers decide the detentions. And then he lets that play out. And this is his way of letting people try their strength and growing up. He, does, he doesn't... I mean, he's not... He doesn't play God at the point where he puts Harry in danger in purpose. But what he does is he doesn't overprotect Harry. He's just like, whatever. 
he, he lets things, um, you know, play out. Well, being me has its privileges. His old friend, Nicolas Flamel, calls him up and says, I have reason to believe that my stone is about to be stolen. Because this is, I can imagine what happens. Okay. So he says, okay, can you please help me hide my philosopher's stone? Because it's a, it's a very important magical artifact and uh, priceless. So Dumbledore tries to help them. I'm guessing they put it first in the bank, or it was already in the bank. And then he was like, you know what? I will help you hide it. One of the like, most protected magical places in the world is Hogwarts. And uh, me and my teachers, we will work around it, and we will work to protect the stone. And um, the question you guys had was like, why not destroy it immediately? But I don't think it's a decision you take lightly to destroy the Philosopher's Stone, because his friend is like 666 years, six years old, Thanks to the stone, he can't just say, oh, somebody's trying to steal it, so I'm going to destroy it. No, they try to protect it. They they see it doesn't work. Kids almost die. And then they're like, you know what? It's not worth it. I have enough elixir. I will just put my things in order. And actually, it's like the first confrontation we have with with the death issue. Because uh, Harry's like, but your friend is going to die now. And he's like, well, um, to the well-organized mind, death is nothing but the next great adventure, something like that. It's like the first time you're confronted with the idea of, death yeah. like Nicholas Flamel is the first character to just accept death in the story right. what he Harry does he chooses yeah, it what, what Harry does in the end you know so okay but it's hard yeah. it's hard to fully criticize the first book because because it's for six or seven year olds yeah so yeah whatever okay okay let's move on let's move on okay so I just want to finish about the defense against the dark arts post I just okay. want to say that you're being tough on him because he doesn't have any any people to hire. So he's starting at some point. He's starting like to hire Lockhart and then his old friend, which is Lupin. And I would agree. I would argue that he does it on purpose because Lupin uh, used to be friends with Harry's father. So maybe he thought it would be cool for Harry. And also, yeah. he's helping another marginalized person because yeah. he's a werewolf. And then he takes Moody out of retirement because he knows something fishy is going on. So he needs an aura. He needs someone tough at school. Okay. But yeah, it's not he, the real Moody. Yeah, but he's not. He's, Dumbledore is not God. He can't. He can't see through everything. This is what you. If he were God and he were absolutely like nobody could do anything to him, there would be no problem. I mean, he would just kill Voldemort. He's a human. You. You. He's only human. He's a very powerful wizard, <laughs> and and he's not. Okay, maybe we can talk about it now. Dumbledore is not a good detective. I agree okay. with you. Okay. And w- something else I would like to uh, add is that is that we see Dumbledore as this mighty Gryffindor, but he is a lot like Ravenclaw too, because Dumbledore is like a, an academic. He's extremely yeah. smart, extremely yeah. intellectual, and extremely yeah. like above things. He he's a guy yeah. who sees the big picture. Yes, not he really d- emotional. No, he. I mean, we see sometimes like like a fire in him. Like sometimes yeah. he fires up. And we, you see, like, in the eyes that he's, like, really pissed. Yeah. But in general, he's very, like, like a Gravenclaw, you know, like a yeah. detached and detached. smart. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, Harry is not like that. So Dumbledore doesn't play detective, and Harry does. Dumbledore doesn't, like, see what happens between people. He's above all that. I'm not saying it's a quality. It's just he's like that. Some and, big things, though. Yeah, but... Uh, how would you notice Moody? Because Moody is like this very famous, tough aura. You would never even think that he was somehow overpowered by a Death Eater you think is dead. Like, 
the reason that that there is first of all you're right that Dumbledore is not God but there is something God-like in the way that he's presented that we see that he knows a lot of stuff that we don't know how he knows how sure. he knows that Harry goes to the mirror of Erised, how he knows that uh, Harry is sneaking around uh, this way or that way. There's some stuff that he knows, like he, that, that, that he smiles at Harry or winks or hints, and we're like, does he know everything? Yeah. There is uh, some, some uh, sense of uh, omnipotence until the sixth book, right, where we see him weak and old and with his black yeah. hand, and this is like preparing us... Uh, for the death of the father. Oh my god. Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. I know, for me it makes sense. It just makes sense. He's very interested, especially he's interested in Harry, of course. It makes sense that he saw that Harry was in front of the mirror, very said, because he was working on the mirror, Harry said. So it makes sense to me that he saw that. But he had no idea that Dumbledore's army was going on and where it was going on, for example. Ah. Because he doesn't follow everything. He And I think he does it a bit on purpose, a bit because he's only human. What does he do all day, do you think, up there in his office? What does he do all day? First of all, he entertains his paintings. I think they have a lot of fun together. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a full-time job? <laughs> no, but they have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um I think he uh, I think he advises a lot of people like uh, the minister people contact him for for advice. Uh, I think he has day to day to day management for the school a little bit uh, like you know exam stuff and uh, and he thinks about the world. I mean he doesn't find all the horcruxes uh, just by mm. by chilling right. you know right okay, let's talk about the exams. So as I was reading it, I was like, what the fuck is this school there it's like torture like people like like students are fainting and losing their minds and puking and getting sick and it starts from like when they start like the when they start the year already they have so much homework and then they have to prepare for the tests and all that what's up what's up with that what's up with that i don't know my school used to be like that i'm not saying it's good but it's like nothing Mm -hmm. weird (laughs) in switzerland or in albania both so many, so, with, with so much homework. When I was at school in Brussels, I don't remember that we had a lot of homework, I must say. <sighs> but I wasn't just until the sixth grade. Yeah, I remember having periods I was like, how is it humanly possible to do all this? Okay. I'm not so saying it's a good thing. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah no. It's just, it is. Okay. it's just for me, it's not weird. I think, okay. think J.K. Rowling is also trying to reflect a school that people can relate to, uh, like a normal school in a way. Normal, yeah. Yeah, normal, you know, just like yeah. what happens. Like, like European, uh, like uh, aiming for uh, career success uh, type yeah. school. Yeah, and also often it's not as dramatic as the pupils often are like, <gasps> exams when actually it's no big deal, you know. It's also, it's also pupils who overreact. I, I, mean, I remember I used to have a lot of classmates who would stress out about exams and you were like, chill. It's just an exam. It's a bit. She's a bit portraying like how people, how you know, how students have a way of overreacting or over dramatizing s- small stuff. No, I'm not defending it, of course. But yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah. So I would so. like to talk about the child endangerment issue because you guys okay. are not the the first ones to talk <laughs> about it. Okay. <laughs> Okay. 
were talking about it, and when people talk about it, I, w- I would characterize it as a very muggle point of view. So I would <laughs> invite you to imagine something else. <laughs> that uh, I, th- I don't think you can look at Hogwarts just like at any other school, like in a way that these are uh, young children who you will have to protect from outside dangers, for example, or uh, adult dangers, or whatever you want to call it. Imagine that these these children are born with powers that are amazing. Yeah. They have like some... I mean, I think it depends on the, um, the pupil. But the way I see it is that they have different degrees of powers. Like some are more powerful than the others. But they also have different kinds of powers. Yes. So imagine being born with those kinds of powers. I mean, Harry was not at school and he set a boa snake what do you call it, to his cousin. It's very, he's a danger to himself and to other people around him right. because of these powers. And Dumbledore says to young Voldemort, he says that at this school you learn how to use your powers but also to control them. So these are not children that you just have to protect from outside, from the outside world. They, they have like extreme power in them that you have to, in a way, permit them to contain it but also to lash out when possible and to just channel it, you know, to channel right. it. They have to learn how and, to channel yeah. it. And they also have like Madame Pomfrey, if you break all your bones, then it's not a problem. Yeah. You can so they're like, woo, I can do whatever. And uh, it's, it's, a very, it's a very different mindset and a very different school, actually. Because you have all this power in your hands. And uh, yeah, you understand. And uh, so... <laughs> yeah, people don't see, but I'm nodding. <laughs> yeah, Gil is nodding. <laughs> For example, when people say that the Triwizard, when Ariella was saying, and you were... You were agreeing. <laughs> By the way, a funny I looked, podcast though. It was a funny it podcast. It was a funny podcast, but I was triggered. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the Triwizard Tournament, she was like, it should be banned. No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Because these people have amazing powers in them. And of course, they want to test them against like extreme um, circumstances where they have to show like their bravery and they want to prove themselves to the world and to themselves and they want to see what they're capable of doing and if you don't permit these young children with powers to just like show themselves what they can do and explore what they can do it is going to go out somewhere if you repress something it is going to go out somewhere and I think it's amazing it's better to do it like in a contained environment with lots of grown-up wizards around it and lots of regulations the most regulations you can put around it of course and it's amazing. I have powers. I have a wooden stick and I can do whatever I want with it. And I want to do it in front of a dragon with a whole school watching. Of course it's cool. I would agree they, sh- they should do this every, like, every seven years. It's amazing. Arr! You can't ban the Triwizard Tournament. You are making good points, good May- rational well, yeah. points. Damn you. The Triwizard Tournament would have been amazing. The way it fucked up is because of Voldemort. Okay, but, okay, but what about the fact that... There's no payoff at the end with the international collaboration. They're always like, Dumbledore is always stressing. Did I forget something? Uh, like from the Deathly Hollow? No, no, you didn't forget. No. No. So, like, uh, just... the, like, Dumbledore is really stressing how it's important that we all get along and we prepare together for what's to come, and then. But it's nothing. very realistic. I really like that. What I like about it is that the fifth book is the book where it all gets real and you realize that the good side is not going to unite against the bad side because that would be too good to be true and this is I think it's very it's a very depressing book because you really feel that ugh they're all alone and nobody's coming to to help them and not, they're not even believing Harry and I think it's very realistic that it doesn't pay off 
I would hate it if at book seven some suddenly everybody rallies to Harry's uh, defense. No, even the giants don't come to his defense. They they make so much effort to to rally international cooperation mm-hmm. or inter inter creature cooperation, yeah. like with the giants, with the centaurs, yeah. with. It never really pays off. It pays off a little bit in the Battle of Hogwarts. Some of them show up, yeah, some, some of them, them yeah. don't. Yeah, but, they have uh, a teacher. Yeah, they have a centaur teacher. They have a centaur teacher, and they mostly get really pissed off when they think that Harry is dead. But it, I think it's very realistic. Okay. And it's also not Dumbledore's fault. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's happening inside your head. To, to sum up, so uh, hiring practices. Filch was contained. It wasn't really dangerous. Mm-hmm. He has a laissez-faire kind of, of attitude where he doesn't micromanage people. And then, and he trusts his teacher and his students to survive. He's not God. He doesn't know er- everything and anything that is, doesn't know everything that is going on. And he, and there's, there aren't a lot of people to choose from for the defense against a dark arts uh, spot. Yeah. So he has. So sometimes, some years, he's like, fuck it. I'll do what I can. He has no choice. That's how, that's how he ends up with Umbridge, because he has no one. So the ministry imposes Umbridge. And he's like, uh, yeah, well, I don't have anyone. So, yeah, uh, and, and your point about the fact that he didn't know about the, the army, Dumbledore's army, that's a really good point. Okay. He didn't know. I mean, he, he knew, because they had a first meeting at the, at the bar, so he knew about that meeting, but he had no idea what happened since. Like Umbridge, he just... He's, I, I'm no, guessing he's suspected, no. but we have a like a uh, how do you call it? Like a recurring joke from it's from a, some kind of comedy show here in Israel. Uh, but he didn't know. He didn't know about whatever powerful people. So now I'm, I'm digressing for a second. Yeah. So now Benjamin Netanyahu uh, probably will stand trial. Now they have this hearing really? for him. Nice. Yeah, okay. knock wood. Now there's like this hearing, and after the hearing, officially supposed to stand trial. So what we hear now out of leaks from this hearing that uh, his defense is that he didn't know. He didn't know <laughs> that his family was uh, running uh, private companies. Uh, to benefit him politically and he didn't know that his family was getting millions of, of dollars worth of presents from rich billionaires who happened to get special treatment from uh, BB. He didn't, just didn't know. He didn't know. How could he know? I mean, come on. He's just stupid. He's just like a stupid person just like, well, nice. huh? what's going on here? <laughs> but also, he's a really, he's a smart guy. We should trust him with everything. Okay. Of course. But when he doesn't know, he can't do anything. Okay. Rant over. Go. Cool. And I uh, wanted just to make a point about another beef <laughs> that I had with him. I wasn't because... expecting uh, your points to be... Uh, I was thinking that I'm going to stand my own. Oh. Stand my ground. Yeah. Okay. Lesson learned. <laughs> <laughs> because okay. when you guys were talking about like every year and you, um, you and Ariella were saying that yeah, the third year was okay because it was ministry sanctioned and they put the mentors uh, at Hogwarts. And I would say, first mm-hmm. of all, how can you say it was okay just because it was ministry sanctioned? Ministry has no idea what they're doing. And second of all, no, we say that we did that, that, that it wasn't his choice. That it wasn't he, he didn't choose to put the okay, okay, cool, the, okay, the cool, thank there. God, because yeah, that, because that would be yeah, he was very much against it. The whole yeah, time. he was against it. Okay, okay, so we agree then. There's no beef. Okay. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> About the the child endangerment stuff, that's what I would argue is okay. that you can't judge it with a muggle point of view. And also, you can't judge it with a, a bit of a 2019 point of view. It means that it's true that in the 90s, in general, kids were freer. 
because we're what? We're, we were more free to roam around alone. I remember I would right. be alone for hours yeah, and hours so. and hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, go, we'll come back from school, go down, play until the sun goes down, go, yeah. back, go back home and eat dinner. Yeah, my curfew was like when the sun goes down and uh, I would just come home and uh, yeah. yeah. So, also, I, w- I want to say another point that you made, uh, like another way that your point is uh, is well taken about, uh, you said the muggle point of view, but I think it's also maybe uh, an adult point of view, like, mm-hmm. a, like a parent point of view. And you're taking the point of view of the, of, of the students yeah. who are teenagers, who are eager to test themselves and their limits and see what they can do. And, uh, and some of them maybe have like crazy ideas about stuff that they can accomplish, but uh, this is par for, uh, par, for, par for the course. This is what, uh, what people do when yeah. they're uh, teenagers. And maybe I fell in the trap where Dumbledore fell in the fifth book where he forgot what it, what it is like, to be uh, young. Yeah. To be young. Oh, yeah. that part oh. is so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and I, th- I would, and I think it's one of the main appeals of the book is the the freedom they have, and the fact that they get to do so much stuff. And yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I and I and I saw an interview with uh, J.K. Rowling, uh, who I deeply admire, and uh, she said that no matter what class, you know, uh, so UK is very class oriented. No matter mm. what class you are, everybody wants to go to Hogwarts. From her experience uh, talking yeah. to children. Oh, that's awesome. Rich or poor. Yeah. And my daughter asked her, you want to go to Hogwarts? And she's like, of course. <laughs> and she's, she's scared of everything, but still she wants to go there. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's a very good point. Yeah. So uh, maybe with this section, it's about uh, Dumbledore's ability as a wizard. Okay. Maybe okay. throw stuff at me. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Now I'm ready. Now I, now I know better. <laughs> I'm, already, I'm, I'm already agreeing with you ahead of time. Okay. <laughs> No, I just, for me, it's just amazing. I mean, this is the one point I've, for me, it's, uh, he's an amazing wizard. Yeah, he didn't see uh, Voldemort under the cloth. How could he see Voldemort? Just tell me how could he see it? But how can he see Harry uh, under the the cloak? If he can see under an invisibility cloak, it doesn't mean he's see-through everything. He he doesn't have magical eyes like Moody's eyes. I don't think so anyway. Because Moody's eye is see-through. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Dumbledore has magical eyes. The, I think the invisibility cloak is something like, I don't know, it, it's something that renders you invisible and my, maybe he has like an ability to sense things that you can't see with the eye. For example, I would argue that uh, he's a very good occlumens. You know, he can read people's minds. Maybe that does something right. that when there's a presence, okay. he can sense it. Maybe. I don't know. So how did he sense uh, Quirrell? I think it's very tough to sense. Uh, you so I'm in front of you, and you have if you have another soul, another seventh of a soul in the back of your head. It's a very weird thing to sense or identify. I mean, and also what Dum- what Voldemort does, he's pushing boundaries and limits in magical in the magical realm constantly. First of all, a Horcrux is not something you meet in your lifetime in the magical world. It's actually very rare. A few wizards have done a Horcrux. No wizard has ever done more than one Horcrux. So Voldemort has done six Horcrux and seventh, the seventh being uh, accidental. So he's very weak. 
and is, is inhabiting someone else's body, how do you sense that? I don't know. I, I'm not sure you do. Or maybe you do sense something, but you can't identify what it is. Uh, what else you were saying? How did he not? Moody, you said about Moody. We were we were talking. We talked about it yeah, earlier. Yeah, it's also very tough to to notice. I would argue. Uh, okay. Do you have any other beefs with us? With you? <laughs> with us? With us? We're sorry. Yeah. We're sorry. We'll never do it again. <laughs> I'll take my notes. Okay. <laughs> Now I feel like I have to run by you every Harry Potter <laughs> idea that I have, and I have a few more Harry Potter ideas. I want to run by you those uh, after we finish recording. Okay. Cool. Um, uh, there are some other small stuff, but it's small stuff. We don't have to go through everything. Yeah, because it's already. I can see it's pretty long already. Yeah. So we don't have to go through everything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so I want to run by you uh, some stuff uh, in a second. But uh, sure. first of all, uh, I want to thank you for uh, coming over, and uh, of course, uh, I want to thank you for uh, supporting uh, my work for such a long time. You know, Great that I pleasure. appreciate it. And uh, thank you for having me. And you said I was. Uh, I was like you said some stuff about me, but you didn't say that I'm a long time patron. Yeah, that's my pride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to brag, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we'll meet uh, again when I'm uh, sure. when I'm uh, over. But I told you Europe. that my best friend, she's half from Israel. I will definitely come once. Ah, right. Yeah. You did tell me that. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I will come. Okay. So thank you everybody for uh, for tuning in. Uh, and if you're not uh, following this podcast, so click uh, the follow button. You can find us on. Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher and all kinds of uh, other stuff and also you can give us a, a five star rating if you feel that we are worth a five star rating so uh, thank you everybody and thank you again uh, Lilza thank uh, you for having me until the next time see ya bye bye